Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. Well, I don't say this because this is my home church, but I've traveled all over the world and I've been to hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of churches. This is the best worship team of any of those churches. Anointed and talented. And um, I know it's not a competition, but we win. Amen. (laughs) I'm so glad to see you this morning. You look so good. And I feel faith in this house today. Something good's getting ready to happen for us. Can you say amen? God is moving across this nation. And I'm going to tell you, it's the greatest time to be alive there ever was. Ever. We are living in victory. Hallelujah. Don't believe the lies of the, you see in the media, you know, it's getting darker and the church, nobody cares about church anymore. And No, no, no. Let me just encourage you with a couple of things that CNN and Fox News won't cover. But right now, the largest events that are taking place in the world are taking place in Pentecostal churches. Let, let, let me qualify that. Not, not sporting events. They're not drawing the largest crowds in the world right now. Not music festivals, not concerts, not political rallies. The largest things that are happening in the world right now are happening among Pentecostal believers. In fact, I just saw next month they're getting ready to have a a, a convention that's going to take place overseas that in one meeting, think about this, in one building they will have each night between two and four million people in the building not on live stream, their building is three kilometers wide by three kilometers long. 1.8 miles by 1.8 miles under roof. And they will have two to four million people in the building for church. Let me tell you, if you have a service like that and you're sitting in the back and you want to come forward to get saved, you better be in shape. (laughs) If you're 1.8 miles from the altar... And they're like, who wants to receive Jesus before it's too late? I'm like, my God, you better have been doing cardio. That's all I'm going to say. They literally had to change the way they were giving altar calls in these services because it was just taking too long for people to come forward. So they started setting up little platforms throughout that whole building. From an aerial view, it looks like a massive parking garage. And they would just tell people, if you want to be saved, just run to the nearest platform. Someone's standing up on it, holding a flag in the air so you can see them. And people are just flocking to these places. Can I tell you, God is moving in such a magnificent way, even overseas. In this place that I'm talking about, uh, you know, traditionally, uh, mosques hold, you know, the, uh, Muslims come to mosque on Fridays. But what has been happening in, in these areas is that Muslims would go to mosque on Friday and then these churches would go out on Saturday soul winning on the street and start winning so many people to Jesus that on Sunday they'd bring them to church and these Muslims would all be getting saved. So in this part of the world in Nigeria, now mosques are changing to start meeting on Sunday morning so nobody can get with their people. And I'm telling you, there's a move of God taking place around this world right now. Don't be downcast. Don't be depressed. God is moving by his spirit. And one of the biblical principles we can be sure of is that God saves the best for last. Aren't you happy about that? God saves the best for last. 
I want you to say this with me, that we're unstoppable. Say it again, we're unstoppable. I'm talking about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are unstoppable people. In fact, the Bible says, and I'll I'll let you turn there, Matthew chapter 16, and uh, I want to just read these words of Jesus to you this morning. And again, we're coming back tonight at 6 p.m. I'm going to pray for people. We're believing for turnarounds and breakthroughs in Jesus' name. How many of you need a miracle in your family or in your life? Raise your hand. Believing for a breakthrough? This is your week in Jesus' name. And so I want you to see this with me. Matthew chapter 16. The reason I had him say it like that, unstoppable. I got to thinking this morning as I was praying that the church of God is an unstoppable force. The power of the Holy Ghost is an unstoppable force. And Jesus, these are his words now, and he's talking to Peter. And uh, in fact, I want to bump up to the 13th verse of Matthew chapter 16. The Bible says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he, said, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. These are the same people that think Tupac is still alive. They, they said, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And look at this, Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Look at verse 18, this will make you shout. And then I tell you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Glory to God. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That means if there was ever a time in history where the gates of hell began to prevail against the church, it meant Jesus became a liar. But how many know he's not a liar? The Bible says God is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should have to take his word back or change his opinion. No, Jesus wasn't lying. He said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You can't stop the church of God. Hallelujah. I was recently listening to people talking. I've heard, you know, I I watch live streams. I watch a lot of preaching, teaching. I started hearing preachers get in the pulpit and start to say, we need to pray, church. The church is in trouble. We need to pray, especially over the last two years. We need to pray. The church is in trouble. And this thought jumped up in my spirit. Who's big enough to put the church in trouble? Who's big enough to put the church in trouble? Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell cannot and will not prevail against the church. So let me tell you, if the devil could stop the church, he'd have already done so. If he could cancel us, if he could shut us down, he'd have already done so. In fact, If the devil could cancel us or kill us or stop us, he would have done it in the first three centuries when it was still a death penalty to be a Christian. 
If the devil could have shut the church down, he'd have done it back when there was so much political pressure that people were fleeing to other nations. But he couldn't stop us then, and he can't stop us in 2022. Because Jesus said, I'll build my church, hallelujah, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Can you shout aloud, amen? We understand this. Why? Because Christ is the head of the church. Woo, glory to God. That right there is enough to make you run around the building. Christ is the head of the church. In fact, that's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1. The Bible, Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he tells them. He said that not only has God, uh, he tells the Philippians, given him a name that's above every name, but watch this. He has seated him in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers, rulers, dominions, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but that which is to come. Glory to God. Watch this part now. And has put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. Glory to God. The fullness of him that fills all in all. Let, let, me, let me say this to you. He's the head, we're the body. Woo! He's the head, we're the body. See, this should show you something. Put this in your notes if you're taking notes. If it can't harass Jesus, it can't harass me. Glory to God. Because anybody ever gone on further in Ephesians chapter 2, and the Bible said when we were dead, in trespasses and in sins. He raised us up together and made us sit with Christ in heavenly places. Why? Because he wasn't just going to raise the head up. He raised the whole body up. Oh, yeah. It's one being. That's why when I stood up here today, if you don't know who I am, I didn't introduce myself to you and say, it's nice to be here with you this morning. My head is Ted. My arms are Richard and Daryl. My legs are... No. I'm all Ted. All of me is Ted. Amen. That's an, important, that's an important revelation for the church to get. All of me is Ted. It's like I got a little son, Teddy. He's, he's the third. My dad's Ted. I'm Ted. He's Ted. We call him T3. And so, <laughs> you know, he, kid, they love to wrestle. Kids love to wrestle. They love to play hide and seek. They love, but, you know, kids aren't good at hiding. You know, so my son, he's like six. But, you know, he, when he was younger, you know, kids just think if they close their eyes tight enough, you can't see them. So I'm going to start counting. I can still see you. <laughs> and so kids will start off, and they, you know, they don't run. They'll, they'll stand. They'll stand behind a little tree, and they're thicker than the tree. They think you can't see them. And I, I have my son, you know. But if he was in here today and we were playing hide and seek, if he ran behind one of these curtains and was hiding, and you could see his hands holding the curtain and his little feet sticking out from underneath, if I counted and said, all right, 10, ready or not, here I come, and I turn around and point at his fingers and his toes and say, oh, I see Teddy, nobody in here is going to, uh, you know, correct me, like, well, you don't actually see Teddy, you see his fingers. No, he is his fingers. He is his toes. Oh, I feel like preaching today. See, because the devil would have you believe that you're some lesser being, that you're some lesser person, that you're not who God called you to be. You're not who he's made you to be. But he made Christ to be the head, but he made you to be the body. And the head is connected to the body. 
And the body dies if the head's disconnected. So what I'm telling you today is the reason you're seated in heavenly places is because you're connected to the head who is Jesus Christ. And if the devil can't harass him, then the devil can't harass you because you're more than a conqueror. If you believe it, shout amen. I like what the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57. He said, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're not going to have the victory. We've got it. I said, we've got it. Somebody shout, I'm victorious. Say it again, I'm victorious. There's a power in the Holy Ghost that comes upon every believer that gives you power over the devil. You're not prey. You're not a victim trying to run away from the attacks of the enemy. You get that mindset of who you are in Christ and recognize that the same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead lives inside your body. Hallelujah. And that same spirit is right now quickening your physical body. The same spirit that took a dead decomposing man and shook him back to life is living inside you today. And if it could raise a dead man up from the dead, what can it do to arthritis? What can it do to cancer cells? What can it do to COPD? What can it do to glaucoma? What can it do to COVID? What can it do to every attack of the devil? It's the power of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory. We're victorious people. I said we're victorious people. We're not struggling. We're not trying. Don't put on your social media one more time. Hashtag the struggle is real. Flip that thing up. Hashtag the struggle is over in Jesus' name. I said the struggle is over in Jesus' name. You're not called to struggle. You're not called to barely get by. You're not called to scrape the bottom of the barrel. You're called to be blessed. You're called to walk in victory. You're called to overcome because Jesus has given you the victory. Woo, hallelujah. I said hallelujah. What can God do for you? See, God moves quick. God moves quick. In fact, Psalm 147 and verse 15, the Bible says God sends his command to the earth and his word runs very swiftly. I mean, if he can create everything you see in six days, what can he do for you in 60 minutes? Glory to God. I said, what can he do for you in 60 minutes? We were recently preaching in Indiana and uh, there was a, a lady that needed a, a touch from God, needed a miracle. And uh, she was so, I mean, this was so generous of her and so sweet. She said, you know, I know other people want to be in the revival services. So I'm going to volunteer myself in the kids' class every single night of the revival so others can be in the service. Meanwhile, she's believing for a miracle in her own body. And she said, no, I'll put others before myself. But on that last night, my wife's like, we need to pray for her right now. I said, bring her out of the kids' class. Well, she comes out standing actually for another miracle. Her organs needed to be touched. And uh, so she lifts her hands. Power of God hits this woman. I mean, she went out under the power. 
And, uh, you know, there's people that try to heckle you, you know, on live stream. Uh, people, I'll get on them people falling out on the ground. I don't know where that is in the Bible. They've never read the 23rd Psalm. He maketh me to lie down. Anyway, uh, <laughs> out of context. Um, <laughs> so she, she came forward, and we laid hands on her, and power God hit her. Well, we get a message from her on uh, Facebook. And uh, this was, what, what, about a week later? She had to go back to her doctor for a checkup, which she was often doing. And she told us her full story. She said, when I was born, my lungs stopped developing. When I was a toddler, one of them stopped developing. And when I turned six years old, the other one stopped developing. So here's a full-grown woman with a lung the size of a toddler and the lung the size of a six-year-old. She said, it's caused me respiratory problems for my entire life. I've always got pneumonia or something. Something's always happening. So I'm always back and forth to the doctor to get x-rayed on my chest and have all these treatments. And she said, I went back to my doctor after the revival to do x-rays. Again, she thought that I was dealing with pneumonia, so she wanted to check me. So I went back after the revival. They did full x-rays on my lungs. She said, but when my doctor came back in the room, she was looking at my chart. She looked a little irritated. And she, I, she said, what's going on, doc? What's wrong? She said, well, I'm looking at your chart. I don't see that you're taking any of the medication you should be taking after a lung transplant. She said, well, I've not had a lung transplant. She said, don't tell me that. I got your x-rays. You have two, two full-size lungs in your chest. Hallelujah. Two full-size lungs in your chip. Why? Because we serve a God that does the impossible. He does the incredible. It doesn't matter what the devil tries to throw at you. God's got a breakthrough coming to your house in Jesus' name. He, she said, oh, yeah. She said, about that. That's what she wrote us. She goes, I said to the doctor, about that. My church had a revival service, and when they prayed for me, God gave me two brand new lungs in my chest. She said the doctor looked at the other lady in the room like I was insane. And she said the other lady piped up and said, no, that's what God does. He can do that. Hallelujah. We serve a miracle-working God. I said he's a miracle-working God. I said he's a miracle-working God. There's nobody like Jesus. I said there's nobody like Jesus. You know, and then there's people who say, well, nobody laid hands on me. You know, nobody has to lay hands on you. It's not about whether or not a man lays hands on you or a woman lays hands on you. The power of God's in this room right now. Power of God's in your body right now. I'll give you another one that stirs me up. We were just in Pennsylvania for our partner banquet one night, doing a one-night service. And we were just praising God. I wasn't really laying hands on anybody to receive healing or anything like that. But we were just having a, a Holy Ghost service. Power of God was moving in the place. All of a sudden, as we're getting ready to close the service, the pastor runs up to me holding his phone like this. So he's showing me a text message. Well, one of the ladies that was in the service, she said, while we were just sitting here praising God and the word was going forth, she said, I came, I was totally deaf in one ear, and all of a sudden while you were preaching, my ear just popped open. She ran out in the parking lot to call her family on the new ear and tell her what God has done. Why? Because nobody has to lay hands on you. The anointing's just in this place today. And if you're believing for a touch from God, then stretch out your faith and receive what God said is yours. Hallelujah. We've got the victory. I said, we've got the victory. I said, we've got the victory. 
I said, we've got the victory. I'm looking at my administrator and her husband on the front row, Jenna and Ralph, who just moved down to South Florida from Virginia. But there was a time when doctors told her she would never have children. Never. How many miscarriages was it? Four. Four of them. And then they tried to tell her she had cancer. And that she'd never be able to fully carry a baby to term. But I, I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost turns stories around. And I was, in the, I was in Atlanta, Georgia. We were preaching. And all of a sudden, one Sunday morning, I felt the Holy Ghost hit me. And I started to point into the camera. It wasn't for anybody in the church. I started pointing the camera and said, I'm telling you that you're watching. I said, by this time next year, you'll hold your testimony in your hand in Jesus' name. My wife felt that word hit her spirit, and she sent a message to Jenna, who was in church because it was Sunday morning. She said, when you get home, you need to watch this live stream over because I feel like that word was for you. And she went home, power of God hit Jenna. She went back, and then she said, Lord, take me through the word and show me all the places in the Bible where a woman could not have children and then you gave her babies. And she took those scriptures and started to post them around her house and started to declare, I don't care what the doctor said. I don't care what the report is. I'm going to have my miracle in my hand by the power of the Holy Ghost. We got to the next year, and the power of God came on her, and by that time next year, she gave birth to her first daughter. Hallelujah. Now there's two babies running around the house. What I came to tell you is God does the impossible. He'll do what doctors can't do. He'll do what lawyers can't do. He'll do what financial planners can't do. He'll do what the culture can't do. He's God all by himself. Shout yes. Hallelujah. He's powerful. I said he's powerful. He's powerful. The devil thinks he's going to cancel the church. We're more uncancelable than Dave Chappelle. You can't cancel the people of God. You can't shut us down. You can't close these doors. You can't shut the windows of heaven. We're full of the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Somebody say, I got the victory. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. If you belong to Jesus, you've got the victory. You're not struggling to get it. You've already got it. You're not going to be victorious one day. You're victorious right now. Glory to God. Woo! Somebody say, I'm victorious right now. Yeah, you're not trying to attain it. Jesus already obtained it for you. I said, he already obtained it for you. Glory to God. I love what Jesus said on the cross. Probably the most powerful uh, Greek word to ever be spoken in the New Testament. And if you do the, you can do the word study on it whenever you want to, but there's a word that he spoke, and that word is tetelestai. It just means, it's rendered in our English Bibles, it is finished. Whew, he wasn't playing around. It was finished. I said, it was finished. F uh, the funny thing, if you look at it throughout historical usage, two of the things that will get you shout when you understand how this word was used in the culture, the first way it was used is if you owed a financial debt, they would come and keep collecting and keep collecting and keep collections coming to your house.
You know, back then it was rough. How many have read the Old Testament story? The woman who was a wife of one of the sons of the prophets, she said, they're coming to take my two sons into slavery to pay off my husband's debt. <laughs> it was rough. And so they would come to your house collecting, collecting, collecting. But when you finally paid the debt off, the collector would write on your bill to Telestai, it is finished. The debt is canceled. Oh, hallelujah. The debt is canceled. Let me tell you, you owed a debt, I owed a debt, I didn't have the resources to pay it. We owed a debt because of sin. We owed a debt because of the fallen nature of man. We didn't have the ability to pay it. But Jesus said, let me come down from heaven. My credit is good. Hallelujah. Let me come down from heaven and pay your debt for you. I, I know you can't pay it, but he shed his blood on the cross of Calvary to pay for something you couldn't afford, something I couldn't afford. And by the time his blood was pouring out, he shouted out into that air and said it is finished your debt is paid and canceled by the blood but on top of that and they taught us this in bible school and got me furiously scribbling notes in my seat they said in those days when there was war being waged the war was usually in the valleys and the generals would even sit on the hills on either side and watch the war being waged in the valleys. And as they're watching their forces go against each other, when the general finally saw that his force was overwhelming the enemy force to the point where victory was sure, he would stand up in his stirrups on his horse and lift his sword into the air and shout, Tetelestai, it is finished. The battle is already won. The battle's not going to be won. It's already won. Jesus, who is your great general, hallelujah, was on the cross of Calvary. He knew what was going on. He knew that by the time he gave up the ghost, the Bible declares that he canceled the penalty of our debt by nailing it to the cross, Colossians chapter 2. And he shouted, it is finished and at that moment the power of God went out into the world and gave us the ability to be in right standing with God so that you didn't have to wonder how you're going to make it you didn't have to wonder if you're going to be able to get by if God gave you power then you've got the ability to walk in victory every day of your life if you believe it say amen, amen. thanks be unto God who gives us the victory gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord there's people waiting on politics to do it there's people literally walking into churches all over America depressed because things didn't go the way they wanted it to go let me tell you if people think that it's going to be something that happens in the political realm that sets you up in position for victory. You're going to be waiting a long time if you're waiting on the hand of man. I don't care if you're waiting on Republicans or Democrats. It don't matter because Jesus doesn't hold either card. And what I'm telling you is that if you're depending on a man to bring you into breakthrough, it's going to be a long time. And not only that, think about this. What do you say to Christians who are living in nations that don't even have a democracy? 
Are you going to tell them, sorry, you can't have breakthrough because your political system's not set up in such a way that you can vote the right people into office? No, because the power of God is not based upon a political party. The power of God is not based on who's in the White House or in the Senate. It does not matter who the governor is. Look back through the Bible and look at all of God's people who were fighting against wicked political rulers. But in the midst of wicked political rule, God opened up heaven and brought victory to his people and it didn't matter who the king was and it didn't matter who the leaders were. I came to encourage you on a Sunday morning, stop looking for a man to help you and start looking to the man to help you because Jesus Christ is getting ready to move in America like we've never seen. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. hallelujah. Oh yeah. We're getting ready to have a move of God that's already begun like we've never seen. I said like we've never seen. People are hungry for the power of God. People are hungry for a move of the Spirit. I've been all over this nation. I've been to other nations. I'm getting ready to go to Columbia in a few weeks and preach the gospel there. Every nation that I've been to, every state that I've preached in, I've not found people that are not hungry for a move of the Spirit. They may not be hungry for dead, dry religion, but who is? Who is? If the Spirit of God's not moving, I'd rather stay home and eat a beef patty and cocoa bread and binge watch Netflix than I would to sit in a church that doesn't have any power in the Holy Ghost. I'd rather stay home and do something else. Because if the power of God's not there, I don't want to be there. We need a move of God in this nation again that'll drive every wicked force back to where it came from. Oh, yeah. It's already begun. I said, it's already begun. Families are turning around. Children are coming back into the kingdom. Grandkids are getting ready to be blessed. Ooh, glory to God. (laughs) I like watching God touch our kids. The next generation. I was preaching in Boston, Massachusetts not long ago. And in the middle of the revival, I wasn't even, wasn't even a prayer line. I was still preaching. And all of a sudden, in the sanctuary, about 30 to 40 kids just stood up out of their seats, got out of their seats, and came and stood on this side of the altar. They lined up, formed their own prayer line. Made sure they were all, once they were all in line, they lift their hands and started coming through. I said, well, I'm not going to keep preaching and ignore these kids. Obviously, the Holy Spirit was prompting them to come receive something from the power of God. I mean, when do you see 40 kids just get up and line up to be prayed for in the middle of preaching? So I start laying hands on these kids. They start going out under the power of God. Some of them getting filled with the Spirit for the first time, speaking in tongues. Others laughing under the power of God. Some crying under the power of God. Some shaking as God's touching them. I watched my own daughter, Brooklyn, and she was laughing and crying. You ever been there where the Lord touches you so much you don't know whether to laugh or cry? It's both at the same time. (laughs) He's sitting there laugh crying. (laughs) People are coming with a straitjacket. And I'm watching these kids getting blessed. They're out 
under the power of God. Just getting filled with the Holy Ghost. Watch my daughter. This is what I like. I like to see the kids get a genuine touch from the Lord so that at a young age they learn how to follow the voice of the Lord so they're not caught up in this culture and running around trying to get the approval of a man or the approval of a woman, the approval of the culture, but they're living for God's approval. Hallelujah. I'm talking about a move of the Holy Ghost that's so strong in this nation that your kids won't even be able to sin right. <laughs> Oh, yeah, even if they find themselves in a situation they shouldn't be in, they get caught up in a house party somewhere after school one night, and everybody's doing stuff they weren't raised to do, and you got people getting high over here, you got people hooking up upstairs, and the music's going to in the house, and your kid's walking in there feeling all convicted because they know they shouldn't even be there in the first place. And they're just sitting around looking, looking around the house, and somebody's like, you want to hit this man? Come on, hit the, just hit it one time. You can hit it one time. And then somebody's going, hey, boy, you want to go upstairs? Says, no. And all of a sudden, in the midst of all the music, <laughs> all your kid can hear is, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. <laughs> Oh, precious <laughs> is the flow. They can't even sin right. People trying to drag them down the wrong path, and they can't even. Why? Because the power of God's already got a hold of them. God's putting a hedge of protection around them. Your kids won't be like other people's kids. Your grandkids won't be like other people's grandkids. Our families will be blessed in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, I said our families are going to be blessed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me give you this. I want, I want to encourage you with this thought. You can, by the power of the Holy Ghost, you can store up favor for the next generation. I'm a product standing before you today of stored up favor. My grandfather pastored for 62 years, had four sons. Ted, Tim, Tiff, and Terry. <laughs> My grandmother's still alive. She's 90, going to be 91. And the devil tried to kill her last year. The devil couldn't even kill her. And she's still alive playing her piano and singing in her living room. And my grandfather and my grandmother got married, started pastoring. And my grandfather, first of all, no, not only did nobody ever think that he would be saved, they, or a preacher, they never thought he'd be saved. He was a hillbilly from West Virginia, coal mining family, rough, running moonshine through the hills, fighting, getting drunk, you know, rough people. You know, when they would meet, back then they used to meet in a one-room schoolhouse, the churches in the country. He'd wait till it was wintertime. They had like a potbelly stove with one chimney to heat the schoolhouse. He'd climb up on the roof in the snow, stuff blankets in the chimney, and smoke the Christians out of the church. They thought, he's so ornery, he'll never get saved. Not only, he'll never be a preacher. And then at 18 years old, God got a hold of him. He got saved. He, he saw a hot girl and followed her into a meeting. He was trying to get those digits. And God got a hold of him. And he got saved. Answered the altar call. God called him to preach. Went to Bible school. My, my grandmother, she was a potato farmer from northern Maine. And they got saved and they started preaching and they started uh, doing the work of the ministry, raised their four sons. He said, Lord, if you'll keep my sons from this world, then I'll serve you for the rest of my life. 
His faithfulness went forward, and his four sons, who are still preaching the gospel right now, all over this nation, then their children, who are all preaching the gospel right now, I'm one of those, and then our children, who have a desire to do things for God, that's the fourth generation. Can I tell you something? That's the power of God at work. I said, that's the power of God at work. Let me encourage you. You might be the first one saved in your family. You might have had people before you that were not serving God. You might have had a testimony that you came out of something. And that wasn't the story of your family. But can I encourage you today that you've started a new family tree now that you've come into the kingdom of God. And what used to harass your family before today, it comes to an end with you in Jesus' name. Don't say stuff like, well, cancer runs in my family and diabetes runs in my family and alcoholism runs in. No, no, no. Not now because you've cut that thing off by the blood of Jesus. Jesus Christ. Hear what I'm saying. What you had to be delivered from, what you came out of, your kids will never know the taste of it in Jesus' name. You might have got delivered from alcoholism, drug abuse, domestic abuse. Not only will your kids never be in that, your kids will never even know what the alcohol tastes like. They'll never know what it is to be high. They'll never know what it is to be broken. Your children will be blessed. Bible says David, King David, spent his whole life, his whole life fighting. And team, you can come back. I'm getting ready to close and pray for people. But spent his whole life fighting. You know, David fought from the time he was a boy, lions and bears, till the time he was an old man. And a man that fought that much, you'd have thought he should have died in battle. He died of old age. God kept him. And at the end of his life, you know David, he was a man after God's own heart. But he said, you know, Lord, I know you want this temple built. I want to build it. God said, no, you can't build it. You've shed too much blood. He said, but here's the deal. David said, if I can't build it, I'm going to pay for it. <laughs> Let me tell you, he started pulling money out of his own treasury that to this day, nobody's ever given that big of an offering in the history of the world again. I looked up just the gold and silver that he gave in, in 1 Chronicles 29. Do you know what I found out in today's value? Not to mention the other stuff he gave. Just the gold and silver, $6 billion. Then when his elders saw him giving, they got excited. They said, let us give too. By the time everybody was done giving, it was over $20 billion today. You know how much money that is? You can build Yankee Stadium 13 times and still have $500 million left over. Imagine what that temple looked like. But then watch this. And I'll give this to you before I pray because I'm getting ready. I'm telling you, I wouldn't miss tonight if I were you because God's moving in this place. But in 1 Chronicles 22, God gives David a promise. And this is what he says. He's talking to him about his next generation. Somebody say next generation. And he said this now, 1 Chronicles 22, starting verse 7, David said to Solomon, my son, I had it in my heart to build a house to the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me saying, you've shed much blood and waged great wars. You shall not build a house to my name because you've shed so much blood before me on the earth. Look at verse 9 though. Behold, a son shall be born to you who shall be a man of rest. Glory to God. 
get this, and I will give him rest from all his surrounding enemies. Glory to God. And his name will be Solomon. Look at this. And I will give peace and quiet to Israel in his days. Something David never had. David fought, fought, fought. War, war, war. Nation, nation, nation. God said, you've stored up so much favor through your obedience, through your faithfulness. I'm going to give your next generation peace and rest. And they will be at peace for his entire reign. Oh, man. Get this in your spirit now. And the Bible declares God allowed David to lay up favor in an account in heaven. So I watch this. This will stir you up. I went into 2 Kings 19. And you find a place where the Syrian army is taunting God's people, mocking God's people, surrounding God's people, and tell them, we're going to kill you and take all your women and children into slavery, and then we're going to tear down your temples and your altars, and there's nothing your God can do about it. <laughs> and Hezekiah went into the temple and was like, God, I just want you to know what they're saying about you. <laughs> they're trash-talking you. And he sits there and prays and praises. And the Bible says, and God responded. And you know what he said? He said, oh, I'm going to help you. Because if you study the history, Israel wasn't living for God like they should have been at that time. But he said, oh, I'm going to help you. But I'm not going to do it for you. Watch what God said. But I'm going to do it for my namesake and for my servant David's sake. I went back and did the historical timeline on this. When God said that, David had been dead for 305 years. You talk about laying up favor for the next generations. David had laid up so much favor with God that his grandkids, 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 grandkids were still pulling miracles out of heaven because of what he did. What I came to prophesy to you today is your family will be abundantly blessed. No weapon that the devil decides to throw is going to work against your children or grandchildren. Get ready for victory like you've never seen by the power of the Almighty God. If you believe it, jump on your feet, lift your hands to heaven, and begin to worship the name of Jesus. Worship the Lord. He's worthy. I said, He's worthy. Breakthroughs, turnarounds. Breakthroughs, turnarounds. Breakthroughs, turnarounds. Say it with me. Breakthroughs, turnarounds. Breakthroughs, turnarounds. Breakthroughs, turnarounds. Breakthroughs, turnarounds. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and He wants to bless you.